The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Good evening, good morning, good week, and welcome. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here tonight as we kick off another week of great programming. Excited about this week, actually. Um, One of the things that's coming up later in this week is uh, an interview that I have wanted to do for hmm, uh, 10 years, maybe longer. Um, the actor Bruce Campbell is, he's known as a, as a B movie actor. He's, he's self-proclaimed, uh, king of the B movie actors or something like that. He's also known as the big chin or the deadly chin. <laughs> he's got some nicknames. I'm not even sure what they are. Um, however, uh, he's, he's done a lot of work, particularly in uh, the horror film industry and uh, obviously B movies. Uh, he got his start by uh, achieving some fame in a film called the Evil Dead back in uh, 1982, I think it was released. They, they It took him like four or five years to finish that film because it was a small independent film. But uh, he starred in that and he became very, very popular and he's done a ton of things since. A lot of TV, a lot of uh, movies. And he's going to be the guest in the first hour of Wednesday night's program. And I'm very, very excited about it. Um, in, in the second hour of that particular night, we'll have Sinasta Colucci. Sanasta is a cult survivor. He was a member of the 12 Tribes organization, and he wrote a book about his experience. He's left the organization. The book is called Better Than a Turkish Prison, What I Learned from Life in a Religious Cult. Um, so, yeah, so the first hour Wednesday will be Bruce Campbell, B-movie legend. And he's going to be talking about the fact that he is going to be the host of a rebooted program called Ripley's Believe It or Not. That'll show up on the Travel Channel. And then second hour on Wednesday, Sinasta Colucci. Uh, Not to skip Tuesday night's program, Marilyn Schlitz will be with us. Marilyn is a consciousness researcher, and we'll be talking about the mysteries of consciousness and where science and spirit meet. And those lines are getting more and more blurred all the time as we discover new things. And we're finding connections, and we're finding that um, there's a lot of overlap, and uh, it's very, very interesting. Thursday night's program... Tom Lombardo will be here, but of course he will be here with Bruce the Shark Markison. I'll be on my way to Scaricon Thursday, and they'll be talking about uh, consciousness. Uh, Tom is the director of the Center for Future Consciousness, and they'll talk about his new book called Science Fiction, The Evolutionary Mythology of the Future. And then again, we'll be with Bruce the Shark Markison. But tonight we're going to be talking with Claire Waters. Claire is a holistic wellness coach. Also an author, she's written a book about her experience raising two psychic children. Those children uh, first showed abilities at the ages of four and two. They're now, I think, 14 and 12. Uh, So there's been about 10 years of this, and uh, she has written a book about it. And we're going to talk about what it's like to have children that have these abilities. How does it affect them? How does it affect the parents? Pretty interesting stuff. So that'll be in tonight's program. We'll bring Claire in in just a little while. A few things I'd like to remind you of. I mentioned I'm headed to Scaricon on Thursday. Get your tickets to Scaricon, Framingham, Massachusetts, June 7th through the 9th. That's coming up this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a family-friendly event. Things to do for the whole family. Children under 10 are free. People like the costume. Great vendors. A lot of celebrities. 
A lot of great celebrities going to be on hand. Shake hands, get autographs, whatever, take pictures. Um, panel discussions, film screenings all weekend long, all part of your admission. And parties. It's a great weekend. Scaracon.com is the place to go to get more information about that event. And then one final note, i like you to swing by all our social media options, Beyond Reality Radio on Facebook, and go to uh, J.V. Johnson on Facebook, and also YouTube. Swing by the YouTube channel. Subscribe to J.V. Johnson. You'll get uh, notifications if you click the bell icon of when we go live, when we stream live. And also, there's an archive of programs there that you can watch and listen to, plus some bonus content. Just go to YouTube and search for J.V. Johnson. Um, Okay, so that's going to do it for the preliminaries. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and when we do, we'll have our guest, Claire Waters, and we're going to be talking about what it's like to raise two psychic children. Hey, it's JV here. You know I've asked for your support in the past, and I'm going to do it again because it's really, really important. And there are a couple of ways you can support the show, and it's so inexpensive. Now, you can go to Patreon, and you can become a Patreon supporter, and we really, really encourage that. But there's also another way. If you look at the description of the podcast, if you're a podcast listener, and you scroll down to the bottom, there's a way to support the show directly through the podcast app. And it's only 99 cents a month. It's less than a buck. You probably have that change in your couch right now. That dollar a month less than a dollar goes a long way in helping us produce this program provide great interviews for you during the course of the week i thank you in advance because the support is so important to the program hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our guest tonight, Claire Waters, who's an author and a holistic wellness coach. She's written a book called Raising Faith, A True Story of Raising a Child, Psychic Medium. Claire, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's a real pleasure to have you on with us tonight. Thank you. No, thanks for having me on. It's exciting. Now, my first question to you is, is an American accent as sound as sophisticated to you as an English <laughs> accent sounds to us? Because you... Totally. <laughs> good answer, good answer. Anyway, welcome to the program. Um, before we start talking about your book and your experiences with your children, let's talk a little bit about you. Now, you have some sensitivities too, right? I do, but they really did develop after I discovered the children had these gifts. So, yeah, that came later. When I first discovered I didn't have... Well, I wasn't aware of any gifts anyway. So, yeah, I do. You, you know, a lot of times these things are dormant until something awakens them. A lot of times it can be a near-death experience. It can be an out-of-body experience. It can be a, uh, some kind of trauma. And in your case, it was bringing your children into the world, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd always been fairly intuitive, as many of us are. Um, and I sort of knew I had good instincts. You know, I could sort of, I knew if I liked somebody or, I, you know, I, I wasn't too keen on them. I could kind of feel if they were, you know good eggs or not. Um, But it was really only when I started exploring what the spirit world was all about in order to relate to what the children were experiencing that um, it it sort of became apparent, oh, I could do this. (laughs) I could do some things I wasn't aware I could do. But um, yeah, and I I mean, I use it day to day now um, in the work I do and just generally, you know, everyday life. Um, It comes in really handy. So yeah, Um, but I wasn't aware of it before. Are we talking about... um 
a mediumship and psychic abilities both? Yes, but I would say my me. Yes, I mean, yes, I'd class myself as a medium because I'm interacting with spirit and with um, yeah, all spirits really. Uh, but I don't have the ability to do readings. I'm not that okay. kind of level of medium. So for me, it's more about um, tuning into them. They can they can give me answers by tapping me on my body. So it's sort of a different way of communicating with them. But yeah. Uh, so tell us more about the other part of your life. You're a holistic wellness coach. What exactly does that mean? Well, for years, I've been running my own homeopathy practice where I was using homeopathic medicine to treat lots and lots of patients. Um, but it's kind of evolved over the years, as many therapists do, really. I've started incorporating years ago um, all sorts of different things, nutrition and Reiki and kinesiology, where I use muscle testing to test for food sensitivities and so on. So actually, the package I offer isn't just homeopathy. I mean, I've called it homeopathy for years, but it's so much more than that. So it's really about realigning the energy of the body uh, to bring wellness, you know, to, to balance the health so that whatever symptoms people are, are dealing with, they all settle down. Because to me, symptoms are just a sign, just a flag. The body sticks out to say, ooh, you know, pay attention. I'm not quite right. And if you just balance the system and the energies... Um, all of those symptoms settle down and you can, you can live in wellness again. So, um, you know, it really can be, it's not necessarily easy, but it can be that simple. You know, it is just a matter of, um, settling the energies down so that everything comes back into alignment again. Do you think in the age of modern medical miracles that we've forgotten how important it is to take care of ourselves before we get sick? Yeah, I mean, I think life is hard, isn't it? It's busy and people are rushing around and they're juggling all sorts of things. And and I think everyone tends to resort to, I mean, certainly we did. You know, I, I was raised on conventional medicine, um, you know, and I had said to my mother years later, why on earth didn't you take me to a homeopath? And she said, I didn't even know what it was. I had no idea. So I think I think there's more of an awakening of understanding now on, on everything holistic. You know, people are more in tune with organic food and avoiding the chemicals and, you know, eating balanced nutrition, perhaps even plant-based, you know, there's a lot more move towards veganism. People are just suddenly becoming more aware of, you know, the things that really do help their health and uh, alternative or complementary medicine is one of those things that's on the rise. Um, but it's been there for so long, helping so many people. It's just perhaps we weren't all aware of it. Um, yeah. So, well, we, we, we've, become accustomed to living our lives however we you know want to and then when something comes up we go and we get a pill or a shot or a an operation yeah. and it fixes it and then we just continue and i think that um we've become very um disconnected uh with the things that are necessary to just take care of ourselves that would prevent those things from happening to begin with yeah, I think that's true. But I do think that people are coming around. I, I do think there's definitely a move towards a bigger understanding on that. So, um, but you're right, you know, you're right. I mean, I think, don't get me wrong, I think conventional medicine has its place, you know, there's, sure, of there's course amazing it does, yeah. things that, that get done. But I do think there are so many situations where people resort to conventional drugs, as opposed to um, a more natural alternative approach that would actually be hugely helpful to them hugely because I mean the way I describe it to me is you know I, I sometimes say to people visualize dandelions with the roots beneath the surface 
those dandelions are just your symptoms. You can lop them off with a drug and it does a beautiful job of looking like it's lopped the dandelion off. And for a while you have relief, but actually the root system's still there. Until you actually deal with that, it's going to keep coming back again. And it might come back in a different symptom. But either way, until you actually deal with your health holistically, you're not really going to be in balance. And therefore, you know, life is going to be more difficult because you're juggling all the time with these energies that are out of alignment. What, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think is making people start to understand and, and become more aware of this holistic approach? Is there something specific happening in our culture or globally that's turning people's attention to this, or is it just uh, because it's, it works and people are starting to recognize that? I think there is a shift in consciousness going on. I think, you know, just universally, there's a shift. People are beginning to to open their eyes and see alternatives. I also think we've reached a point where, you know, it's talked about all the time, we're sort of oversubscribed on drugs, you know, we're we're giving out so many of them. Antibiotics are becoming less resistant because they're being, they have been given out so often in the past. So I think generally there's a number of different things happening to shift it in that direction. You know, people are becoming aware of more mindfulness, you know, more meditation, more um, exercise required to maintain a healthy body. You know, um, as I said earlier, sort of plant-based food or at least certainly, you know, natural, good food, coloured food, rainbow foods. Um, there is, I think there's just... A move towards that. I think partly it's the shift in consciousness and partly it's just gradually, gradually moving that way and building up speed as it goes. And how long have you been doing this particular type of work? Uh, where are we now? 13 years. <laughs> so 13 years. And if I, if I um, understand correctly, your children are 14 and 12. That's right. Yes. And the older of the two children is your daughter. Yes. Faith is the faith. One, okay. Um, we're going to we're going to start talking about faith when we come back from the break in just a couple of minutes. So I want to continue talking about you now. Um, when you uh, d- went into this particular line of work, um, you obviously uh, if your daughter had been born, but you hadn't discovered her abilities yet. So you hadn't discovered your abilities yet. Is that right? Is the timing correct on that? Yeah, that's correct. So as you started to recognize your sensitivities, in addition to your daughter's, and your sons, uh, for that matter. Um, how did it change your approach in the, in the work you do? Did it affect it at all? It gave me an extra tool in my toolbox, as I say. So I was able to get more direct guidance with selecting the best homeopathic medicine to help a patient. So, um, you know, I would do the legwork, but then I would have this extra bonus of, oh, did I get that right? You know, and they would, they would say to me, spirit would say to me, yeah, no, good choice. Or no, you could do better than that. You know, they would guide me as to whether I was on the mark or just slightly off of it. And that was really helpful for me. Um, but you know, I had to be quite mindful. There were occasions where they wouldn't answer me because it's very easy to want that backup all the time. It's very easy to want someone else to give you the answers, but that's not really what they're there for. They're there to guide you, not, not do all the lessons for you. So, um, yeah, they taught me a few lessons along the way about not just listening to them. Are, are you um, a religious or a spiritual person? Not religious, no. Not raised, not born and raised religious, no. Spiritual, yes. In, in terms of sort of mediumship spiritual, yes. But in terms of um, church religious, no. Do you, um, as you learned more about your sensitivities and about your children's sensitivities and the ability to communicate with, with the spirit world itself, did that change how you view the afterlife or any, any, uh, anything like that in a spiritual sense? Um, no, 
I guess it probably uh, it got me thinking about it. I mean, you know, it got me thinking a lot about it. And, it, you know, it certainly got me thinking about uh, God and church and how religion comes into this. Um, and I guess over the years, I found my way of sort of connecting the two and understanding how they do actually fit together. Um, you know, although not born and raised to be religious um, with with regular visits to church, I do. I can see how the two fit together very clearly. It's just perhaps we have a different language for the same things. Um, you know, what 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 most people would call God to me. Yes. Yes. God exists. But it's more of a universal energy. Um, so it's not a, it's not a disbelief in God. It's, it's not a am you know. I'm not an atheist. It's not that that, you know, that I don't believe it. It's just I have a slightly different language for the same things. Well, it's interesting because the way you described it uh, is something I'm hearing more and more of um, that's becoming a more common approach to uh, spirituality. And I, I find that very interesting. All right. So we're going to take a we're going to take a break here, Claire, and we're going to continue our conversation on the other side of the break. It's Claire Waters is our guest tonight. She's an author and a holistic wellness coach. Her book is called Raising Faith, A True Story of Raising a Child, Psychic Medium. And her website is raisingfaith.co.uk. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Claire. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Don't go away. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products, and all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark, because you deserve to save too. Become a Shark and save. Our guest tonight, Claire Waters, is an author and a holistic wellness coach. She's written a book called Raising Faith, a true story of raising a child psychic medium. And uh, Faith, I want to, I mean, Claire, I want to talk about Faith a little bit. Um, she was four years old when you recognized her abilities. How did that happen? Well, not the typical way. So often what happens is parents recognize their children talking about someone in the room they can't see, but that wasn't the case with Faith. It actually started when I was loaned a book um, by my mother, you know, the Brian Weiss book, Many Lives, Many Masters, um, which is an amazing book. And I was fascinated with it. It was all about past life regression. And I ended up contacting the hypnotherapist at the clinic where I was the resident homeopath to talk more about it because it was a service he offered. And he ended up putting me in touch with a psychic medium to talk about past life regression. Um, And it was her that said to me, you do realize, you know, both your children are quite spiritually gifted. In all honesty, I thought she was slightly mad. I really did. I, I couldn't understand how what she was telling me could possibly be true because I hadn't been that parent who'd been listening to their child talk about, you know, the lady in the corner or the little boy on the end of their bed or anything like that. Um, and it took me a good few weeks to pluck up the courage to actually confront my daughter. And I mean, she's only four. Right. So for me, I, I thought, you know, what am I asking my four-year-old child? This is crazy. And, you know, I didn't want to scare her because it terrified me, the idea of it. Um, and I didn't want to confuse her or to put thoughts and ideas into her head. So it was really difficult to, to think, well, how, you know, how do, I, how do I get an answer to this once and for all? Because really, once it had been mentioned to me, it was really difficult to let it go. It was really difficult to to just sweep it under the carpet and... You know, I spoke to my husband about it, and of course, he didn't really believe any of it, thought it was all nonsense. 
Um, but he agreed, you know, let's, let, you know, have the conversation with her. And it's kind of the quickest way to put this to bed and move on and forget all about it. Um, but it was really when I spoke to her about it and I realized she wasn't really that interested in talking to me about it. She couldn't understand why mummy was so interested in this idea. And um, she just sort of shrugged her shoulders. You know, she was just carried on playing with her dolls and her toys uh, while I was asking her these questions. And yeah, she just answered them completely. I don't know, nonchalantly, really just, yeah, there's yeah, there's people here and yeah, all the time. And she was puzzled. You could see she just didn't understand why this was so interesting to me. And it was only when I pointed out that I couldn't see those people that she really looked up from her toys uh, a bit surprised. She realized then that that wasn't right. The fact that I couldn't see what she could see. Um, Yeah. So that was the beginning of it. And then obviously, once I was aware and once I was looking and um, it became more obvious that she was seeing things and listening to things that I wasn't aware of and we began to talk about it usually at bedtimes, you know, we, we did the usual bath time and get her into bed and read a story. And then I just would see her watching and listening to people. And, you know, I just say to her, what can you see? And yeah, then my world just opened up into a whole new arena of her describing people to me again, but, you know, not embellishing them, not interested in this, not wanting to talk about it particularly, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't a little girl getting attention from this. This was a little girl just really couldn't understand why I was so fascinated with it. And she would describe who was there. And sometimes it would be people that I knew that she hadn't met or sometimes like, you know, loved ones of mine that had passed on. Sometimes it would be people I'd never heard of that were actually spirit guides there to help one of us. Uh, Sometimes they would have a message to give to me uh, that would make perfect sense to me, but she didn't have a clue what that meant. You know, she was just four. And sometimes the other language was just not her language, not her words, you know, just the way she would say things or the, or the phrases that she would pass to me were just not her. Uh, they weren't the language a four-year-old would use. So yeah, bedtimes became really interesting, very different. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask you if you were had a way to verify some of this information, but I suppose if, if messages were being passed to you through faith uh, yeah. that she wouldn't have understood, but you did. That's kind of a verification in itself. Yeah. I mean, there were a few times I really wanted to verify, but when I tried to push for that, when I tried to get the details out, it was like it shut down. It, I felt like I was just being told, no, you don't get to do that. And there were, there were a few things like um, we had a visitor at one point that was a, a spirit guide for me. Um, and when I, I mean, I knew he was there, I could sense he was there because by this point, my, my abilities developed a bit. Uh, but it was really faith that would verify for me who it was, what their name was and specifically what they'd come for. And on this particular occasion, I asked the question, you know, how did this person pass? And she just quoted at me exactly what she was given, which was just immediately said big wave. And as she said, big wave, I realized what she meant. And then it took her a few moments to catch up because by this point she was probably, I don't know, 10 or something. And she said, oh, she said tsunami. And I said, yes. And, uh, you know, she twigged that's what it was. That's how he'd passed. And I tried to verify exactly. At the time, I asked which tsunami and was I thought I was told. I remember a tsunami that I had in mind. Um, but when it came to including it in my book, Raising Faith, when I wanted to kind of validate this, 
they wouldn't give me the answer. They wouldn't confirm for me that it was the one I expected. And I, I, I was sort of told, no, you know, I can't put that in the book. That's not appropriate. Because actually, potentially, that person may still have family here. And sure. it's not really my place to be announcing that to them. So I just think sometimes you have to use your own integrity and your own judgment on what's appropriate or not. So, yeah, a few times I would have loved to have validated, you know, properly looked into the history of it and figured out who they were in this lifetime. But it, it yeah, it wasn't to be. So as a four-year-old and as you're discovering this and you're starting to talk about it, did, um, did Faith ever show any fear or apprehension about any of this? Never. And that was the extraordinary thing. I was terrified. You know, my world had been completely rocked because... I think I'd probably I'd always believed that psychic mediums could do what they claimed, but I'd never visited one. And the whole idea of it was terrifying to me. So, yeah, I found it quite scary. The thought there were people around me that I couldn't see, you know, all my old sort of teenage horror movies came creeping back to me. And, right. you know, just fear of the, the other world and, uh, and this, you know, unknown. Yeah, this unknown world. And who are these people and what did they want? And but no, never, ever has she been frightened. Um uh, certainly up to the point of writing the book. We have had one visitor since that frightened her, but she's never been frightened of spirit per se. You know, She's never been frightened of the people that come to her day and night um, at all. No. What about the ability to control it? Could she then or can she now turn it on or off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a point where she was being woken up in the night to pass me messages, which it turns out she wasn't doing. <laughs> she wasn't actually <laughs> passing those messages to me anyway. But once I realized why she was so tired and she said they were waking her, waking her up and they were trying to give her messages about homeopathic remedies and all sorts of things to give to me. Um, and I said, well, you know, what were the messages? And she said, I can't remember. <laughs> so that was frustrating. But we, yeah, I spoke to other psychic mediums at the time because I'd started exploring this by then in order to try and understand her gift better. And was was sort of explained, you know, literally just to ask her spirit guides to stop doing that, to stop that happening. And so we put some boundaries in place. We, you know, we had we asked them, we told them what was acceptable and what wasn't. We set some rules and that seemed to help quite a lot. It did still happen, um, but it certainly seemed to help with the majority of it. Um, And her spirit guides, I think, got better at limiting who was getting in and how often they were that were able to do that. So, yeah, she stopped being woken up at night. Did Faith become a target um, by some of the spirits uh, to get messages? I mean, did they seek her out? At the time, I wasn't aware of that when she was little. Um, When we wrote Raising Faith, there's a section in the book that Faith actually, you know, I did some question and answers with her to answer some of the commonly asked questions. And she says that often if she's, somewhere else and you know walking through a building or wherever it may be she can see spirits who sort of look at her knowingly and they possibly want her help but she's so little she just doesn't even go there she you know at the time she just didn't even uh have those conversations or tell me about it or do anything about it uh i'd say now she has been sought out she has let a visitor in um I did teach both the children to ground and protect in order to protect their energy and to stop that happening. But, you know, she's a teenager, so it's not always consistent what she does. And even though she has these abilities, she thinks I'm the crazy one. You know, she's like, <laughs> oh, mum, I wish you could be more normal. And I think, really, are you kidding me? 
you know, you're the one with these abilities, but you know, she's 14 and she just wants to be like everybody else. So, um, you know, she wasn't particularly grounding and protecting and I wasn't being diligent in doing it for her. And so she did let somebody in. You know, she did have a visitor that we didn't particularly want, who was quite a scary lady. In fairness to the spirit lady, I think she was scary to get attention rather than to, to serve any harm. Um, and But that was a big wake-up call for Faith. She realized at that point that whether you like it or not as a teenage girl, you have these abilities and, and you do need to be grounding and protecting to stop this happening. So the floodgates had been wide open and this lady had got in. So, yeah, they do seek her out clearly. But I think with the grounding and protecting, we are largely looked after with that. And I think for many years, I was so frightened by what could come in, you know, by who these visitors were. I did ask spirit guides to make sure we were safe for many years. So I suspect we were also being helped with that until we got a grip and started protecting ourselves better. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves in this conversation, but you mentioned that uh, Faith is now a a teenager. Um, Frequently when uh, children, and particularly girls, uh, enter adolescence, uh, there's there's a lot of change going on more than just physically, and that's when like poltergeist activity will kick up in a home often. Uh, have you noticed any significant changes uh, in the last couple of years as uh, Faith has started to make this transition in her life? No, um, I haven't noticed anything different at home. You know, we still have spirit with us all the time. You know, the dog's staring at people moving around the house constantly. So they're very much around us and part of our everyday um, Faith herself, you know, I don't know, maybe two years ago when she first started what we call secondary school, they go in at age 11 and they come out sort of age 15, 16. It's a huge school, you know, it's filled with hundreds of children, lots of energies, lots of hormones. She got to that school and in order to cope in the environment, she just said, look, I just want to be like everybody else. I just want to fit in. I don't want to talk about spirit anymore. I don't want to do this and that. You know, and and it was disappointing because I I really enjoyed our conversations about spirit. But largely, I leave her to it now. Um, So I know it's there. I know it still goes on. I, I, you know, I know that she's still talking with them. But it's not something that she wants to particularly acknowledge at the moment. And so I I leave that alone. You know, I try and allow her to be a 14-year-old girl. Um, But, yeah, they're they're definitely still around. We've not had any – we've had one visitor, as I say, uh, last Halloween. But I don't – it's not poltergeist. It was just somebody needing help. But, you know, she's a beacon. And they they came through to her because she hadn't grounded and protected properly. Um, But, you know, yeah, it's – as I say, it's it's there all the time. But it's just not something that she wants to talk about at the moment. And, you know, I don't – I was told it wouldn't go away for her. I know for many children it can do. Um, I don't think it's gone away. I think she settled it down a bit. You know, she doesn't choose to interact with them the way she used to. Um, but I don't think she can particularly um, get rid of it altogether. Yeah, I, I, it's it's common. Um, I've heard this before. Frequently, we'll have psychics on the program who had these knew of their sensitivities as children, and they often, when they get to the point that they enter adolescence, the thing they want more than anything is just to be like the other children, which and most of the yeah. other children don't have these sensitivities, so they not necessarily suppress it, but kind of keep it quiet uh, for mm-hmm. for a period of time. And it sounds like that might be what Faith is trying to do right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely. I think, yeah, I mean, there are times when I think she would wish she didn't have it. But and and I did also tell her how to if she didn't want it, then she could just say, you know, please go away. I said, you know, she could just ask. And for a while, I thought that's what she'd done. 
Um, but it's kind of become clear in the last six months or so that actually, no, it's very much still alive and kicking. It's just, yeah, yeah she keeps it quiet. She's not, she's not as open about it as she was before because she wants to be just like everyone else. I did want to ask you about Tom. Um, Tom also has sensitivities and he's not part of the title of the book. Do you, uh, do you write about him as well? Yeah, I do. They're both mentioned in the book, really. Faith is the one with the, with the overwhelmingly amazing kind of gifts. Tom's gifts are fantastic, but they aren't as, um, I don't know, I guess they're probably not as interesting to so many people in that he, where, where Faith can have conversations back and forth with spirit, you know, she can see them, she can feel them, she can hear them, she can talk to ways, she can see messages in boxes, you know, everything. Uh, Tom tends to be an intuitive so and an empath, so he can pick up on energy in a millisecond. He can sense if something's wrong or if somebody's present, he can tell immediately, but he can't see them and he can't communicate with them in the same way. So, yeah, faith is the main focus of the book, but Tom certainly comes into it along the way. And I learned about him after. I, I mean, I was told about him by the same psychic medium that had told me about faith. But Tom's abilities, I mean, he was only two at the time, so it was a lot harder for me yeah. to see him in action. And then as kind of time went on, yeah, he started chipping in with the odd thing, and I'd think, oh, crumbs, here we go. So, yeah, but he still, he still has those abilities, very much so. He's still very intuitive. He still recognizes when they're there, but he tends to be more fearful of it, more frightened, because he doesn't know who they are or what they're there is, for. Is it fear or is it just a, a reluctance to engage? <laughs> No, it's fear. It is fear. He's fright- yeah, he's frightened because just just literally the other week, I mean, he came out of his bedroom and he said he was trying to go to sleep and he said, "Mom, there's something wrong in my room. There's 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 something going on. There's someone in there." I was like, "Oh wow!" And you know, we'd not long had the Halloween instant with the visitor that had frightened us. So I thought, "Wow, okay, um, let's see what's going on." And so I actually sent Faith in there because she's the <laughs> one that can tell who's in there. So she went in and. She came out and gave me a bit of a funny look. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure I like the look of this. And she said to him, it's okay. She said, I can see why you're frightened. She said, I've actually not seen this before. But, you know, your room is filled wall to wall with people. There Ooh. are, yeah, literally people all around the walls of his room. And we'd never, well, we did, from her, we didn't really get to the bottom of why they were there. She said, oh, I don't know. Um, but she said, it's okay. She said, our spirit guides are all fine about it. They're, they're not jumping up and down. They're not panicking. They're not worried. They're absolutely fine. They're asking them to move on. And she said, they're all exiting via the window. So literally, there were just these hordes of people leaving his room via the window. Um, and he did eventually settle down to sleep in there. He could sense the difference, and he was okay. But, you know, he knew they were there. He knew something wasn't right. But so for him, it's more unnerving, but he doesn't know who's there and what they want. But Faith can um, walk into that room, see all of those people there, mm. and walk out and very calmly tell you that that's yeah. what she sees? Wow. Yeah, totally. That's remarkable. Yeah, for her, for her, it's normal, whereas, <laughs> uh, you know, I can't see them. Uh, and I, I, obviously, I do sense them, but not. I'm not as on the ball as Tom is with that ability. You know, he knew immediately they were there. Yeah. Uh, great shows coming up for you for the rest of the week. Tomorrow night, Marilyn Schlitz will be with us. Marilyn's a consciousness researcher, and we'll discuss the mysteries of consciousness and where science and spirit meet. And then on Wednesday night's program, we have two guests. In the first hour, B-movie legend Bruce Campbell will be with us. I'm very excited about that conversation. And we're going to talk about his reboot of the Ripley's Believe It or Not television program. It'll be on the uh, Travel Channel starting 
Sunday night, I believe, is the first episode. It'll run for 10 episodes in the first season. Uh, And again, we'll talk with Bruce about that. In the first hour of Wednesday night's program, and in the second hour, Sanasta Kalucci will be with us. Sanasta is a cult survivor. He's written a book called Better Than a Turkish Prison, What I Learned from Life in a Religious Cult. And he'll talk about uh, his life as a member of the 12 Tribes Organization. And then on Thursday night's program, Tom Lombardo, who's the director of the Center for Future Consciousness, We'll have a discussion on his new book. It's called Science Fiction, the Evolutionary Mythology of the Future. So a lot of great programs. By the way, Thursday night's program, I'll be uh, headed to Scaricon. So Bruce the Shark Markison will be here to host that program for you. Treat him well, as you always do. By the way, our phone lines are open if you'd like to weigh in on this conversation. Maybe you have a child who you believe has some sensitivities. The number is 844-687-7669. Claire, I want to get back to uh, kind of the progression of this discussion here. At some point along the way, as you're experiencing these things with your children, particularly with faith, you decided that it was a good idea to write a book about it. What made you make that decision? Uh, There's a couple of things. Firstly, many, many, many years ago, my mum had been to see quite a famous British psychic medium called Sally Morgan. And this was before this lady was really famous. And she said to my mum that I would write a book one day. And for years, I said, no, what would I write a book about? And then sort of almost unrelated, years later, I'm sat in Faith's bedroom. We've spent the evening, you know, talking with spirit just before she went to bed. And by this point, she must have been maybe 11, 12, something like that. Um, And I sat there and and the conversations with them were just so extraordinary and so amazing. And I just said out loud, kind of to the room, to myself, to Faith, I just said, wow, I said, this is so incredible. We should write a book about this. And then the the penny dropped, you know, the two things connected. And I suddenly went, oh my goodness, this is what I'm supposed to write a book about. And it just, I just knew, I just knew I was supposed to write a book it, you know, the whole point was this, uh, and what I said to Faith was, this could be so helpful to other people. There must be so many others going through this. And for us, we'd been quite isolated because I didn't use social media. So we pretty much learned all by ourselves from spirit. You know, we didn't particularly have much interaction with others. Uh, anyone that we knew, family or friends that we tried to mention it to, had sort of poo-pooed the idea and thought, what a load of rubbish. And so we very much were on our own. And so, yeah, my thinking was, you know, so much to share here. There's so much we've been through that we've experienced that surely, you know, this would be so interesting to others and so helpful. And that's really where the idea began. And, you know, when I explained it in that way to Faith, she was comfortable with the idea. Uh, she doesn't want to be involved in it. She doesn't want to be interviewed. Doesn't, you know, doesn't want to be actively involved in it, but was happy for our story to be shared with others. Um, and then obviously being a practitioner myself and helping people the way I do professionally, the two things kind of came together. So the book is very much a, a story and a memoir of our experiences, but also what we've learned from it and you know, the philosophies that we've learned along the way. And, um, yeah, how, how what I do sort of fits into that as well and helping people. And, yeah, it just all kind of merged together. And, and that is the book Raising Faith really is a combination of, my experience as a, as a practitioner and our story of what we've been through, hopefully to then help other people sort of, it's the place that I've consolidated everything we've learned, you know, and, and you know what it's like when you 
you start something like this, you learn from so many different sources. You know, you experience it firsthand. I've been to workshops. I've been to churches. I've read books. I've, you know, I've been through so much. I've spoken to so many psychic mediums. We've had visitations. The whole lot is written in Raising Faith so that people have it all in one location just to shortcut a lot of those lessons, really, hopefully to be a useful source for many others going through the same thing. And there's lots of lots of people that have children that are already psychic themselves, but not everybody does. As people have discovered the book, started reading the book, um, what has been the reaction? And have people tried to reach out to you to talk about it? Yeah, I've had quite a few people. The thing that tends to be most helpful for people is they're frightened of it or that, you know, they their children are seeing spirits and it either frightens them or they don't know what to do about it. Or sometimes the spirits appear to be frightening to them. Um, and I think that's something that needs some clarity. I think, you know, most of the time, fear comes into play or these spirits are creating noise or distractions to get attention. They're not necessarily there to harm you, but I think that's often the assumption is, you know, are these spirits there to hurt my children? What do they want with them? Um, And it's really children that are just sensitive to seeing them and these spirits need help. They're usually stuck between worlds. You know, they're stuck between this world and the spirit world and they just need some help moving on. Isn't that a lot of I don't know if what a better word to use than pressure on, on a child. I mean, um, you know, children aren't always equipped to handle some of those types of stresses, let alone get, getting them from those who have deceased. It seems like it's a really it's a lot of weight to carry around. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is if they understand what's going on. I mean, for starters, I think some of these spirits don't realize that they've passed. They don't realize they're not in the living world anymore. They're almost living in a bit of a groundhog day going round in a loop. And they they don't understand why others can't see them. You know, so when they do make that connection and when children can see them because they're so much more sensitive and open, you know, it's a connection that they haven't had for a long time. It's it's someone that can help them. So I think it's just being recognized and being seen. Um, And I think, yeah, for those children, sometimes they, they just play with them. Sometimes it's just a friend in the room. Other times it's perhaps an adult that's passed that, um, maybe isn't always playing with them, but is perhaps frightening them. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's their only means to get attention. Uh, and they're not always frightening, you know. It's it's not always the case. Sometimes there's just somebody in the room with them. They, they're they not always frightened. Yeah. Um, you know, someone's, I mean, I, there's so many stories out there, but, you know, there's there's children that play with them. There's children that sit with them at night or listen to stories with them at night, spirit children. Um there's adults in the house who've lived in the house in the past that have an attachment to it that haven't yet let go of it. Or there's adults that are stuck that have had a traumatic event there. There's so many different variations on why that spirit might be there. But, you know, in a nutshell, they do need moving on. They are stuck and they need help moving to the next world. And it really is as straightforward as that, even when sometimes their behavior can seem quite frightening. Both of your children are sensitive You've developed sensitivities. Do you think this is a genetic connection or do you think it's environmental or is it just completely random? Mm, I think we all have the ability. It's just I think some of us are more tuned into it than others. And I think it's quite common for many children to have these abilities. But, you know, as you said earlier, they, they often lose the abilities as they grow yeah. or they're not believed at home. Um, I think for Faith and Tom, you know, we've been fortunate to have, that I learned about it early on and I'm interested in it. So, you know, being able to talk about it, I think helps to keep it alive, alive and well as well. You know, it's, yeah, 
Um, well, that that's kind of goes hand in hand with the environmental factor. Uh, you know, when mm. when a, a, when families or parents specifically, when we're talking about children, are closed to these ideas and try to, in some cases, scold their children out of out of their sensitivities. Mm. You know, it, the, the children learn very quickly; they need to turn it off. So, uh, having the right environment could allow this to flourish. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I, I do. I, I think that does make a difference. Um, but I think many of them have the ability to start with and it goes because they're not believed, as you say. Um, I think others, I also think it's not on everyone's life path. It's not everyone's mission in this lifetime to have these abilities and to use them in that way. So I think those that have these gifts and that have them in such a strong way are probably, that you know, they're given these gifts to use them in this lifetime for the greater good of others. And that's not necessarily something everybody needs in this lifetime that's not to say they couldn't do it but they're not going to be as tuned in um if it wasn't something that they're meant to use in this lifetime so i think that comes into it as well have you uh, along the way received any criticism from other family members or maybe parents of other children or neighbors or anything like that uh anyone offer you what you might consider criticism not really, because we learned pretty quickly early on that it, it, people just weren't open to the idea. So we stopped talking about it. Yeah. You know, the couple of occasions we did try and mention it to close friends and family. Um, family were largely interested, some of them really very skeptical. I mean, I didn't mention it to many, just my very close uh, siblings and so on. And, and some of them are really supportive and love it. And some of them think really. And friends, much the same. You know, most of the friends, I would say, just there's got to be another reason, you know, surely not. And, or they just never asked me again. I would raise it with them. I'd want to talk about it. And they would just either shut it down as, oh, I'm not into that, or it's not my, or it terrifies me. Or, um, But they would never, ever, ever ask me again. They would never ask me how the children were, how the, how the gifts were progressing. It just wasn't really a topic for conversation. So we didn't. We just learned quite quickly not to go there. You said that you had talked to Faith when you decided you were going to write the book, um, mm-hmm. and you said that she was okay with it. Uh, did you understand completely about that you were about to tell her story and your story to the world? <laughs> Probably only as much as sort of you know a ten year old would do or twelve year old. I'm not quite sure how old she was, but uh, no, not for, I don't think she can fully understand that. You know, she wouldn't understand what's involved, but she understood the idea of sharing our story with other families that were going through something similar that maybe would take comfort from the fact that they weren't alone. Um, and she trusted me, you know, to make sure that I did what I could to keep her safe and out of that limelight, which is what I'm trying to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's steps that we've taken to try and protect her. A lot of the photos we use are old photos of her rather than up-to-date ones. Cause as I said, she's 14 now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, so far so good, to be honest, you know, she's not involved with it. It's, it's something I share with others, um, and she's not been involved. She's not been affected. So, yeah, she's happy with that so far. Has she met other children along the way that share her sensitivities, have, have some similar sensitivities that she can relate to? No, she hasn't, because she won't discuss it with anybody. So she doesn't actually talk to anyone about it. So, no, I mean, obviously there must be other children in her school with abilities, but it's certainly not something that's ever come up, no. And I suppose there's no support group or any kind of network that um, you could probably uh, take advantage of that. And I'm not so sure she needs it. Sounds like she handles it pretty well. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I think she has. She's incredibly wise. She's incredibly capable. She's been handling this gift all these years. You know, even before I knew about it, she was already aware of it and her and her spirit guides were handling it. So she hasn't really needed anything particularly. You know, I set about learning about the spirit world purely to help her because I wanted to understand what what this was all about. This was completely new territory for me. I didn't know anything about psychic mediums or the spirit world before this. So you know, I wanted to learn in order to help and support her, but she's not really needed any help as such, you know. It's it's more just been me wanting to be involved and interested in and understanding what she's experiencing rather than just leaving her to it. So but she hasn't really needed me as such, no. If you had to and I know the book addresses this and this is I think the primary motivation for writing the book, but if you have a uh, met up with another family that is trying to figure out how to navigate this, what's the biggest piece of advice you could offer them? Um, I guess for a start, believe the children, because I think there's lots of people out there that question it, that wonder if, you know, it's real or it's not real, you know, believe it, listen to them, um, talk about it. I think it's important. So these children aren't all by themselves handling this, you know, they do have somebody there that's interested, that understands, learn as much as you can about it so that you can have those conversations and be part of that world with them if that's what they need. And I think just not to be frightened by it, you know, just to just to allow it to be, you know, I think these children have been given these gifts for a reason. And that will become more clear as they grow up and develop and move into whatever role they're going to play in this world. Um, But just be supportive of it and not fearful of it. Just learn as much as you can. There's so many psychic mediums I've met who are adults that, you know, it was um, they were either told to not talk about it or it was suppressed or they were not believed, you know, and they shut these gifts down early on. And many of them have taken many years to come back out again. Uh, and I do think we're given these gifts for a reason to help other people with them. You know, it gives us a, an extra sensory ability to tune into people and to be more helpful and of more service to them. So I think it will come into its own one day. It will become clear why. We have about a minute here before we have to go to break again. You had said earlier that when this was first discussed, when Faith was four years old, um, your husband uh, was very skeptical and figured it was just blow over. What's his attitude now? Yeah, pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, he He's quietly supportive, but really quite, you know, baffled by the whole idea. It's not his cup of tea, but he sort of quietly supports it and lets us, sort of, you know, just do this. But, yeah, it doesn't really resonate with him. Claire, as um, Faith gets older, she's 14 now, and she's kind of uh, put this on the back burner a little bit. Uh, What do you hope happens to her over the next few years as she becomes an adult with these abilities? I don't really have any uh, any kind of preconceived hopes or anything. I I just trust that she will be led down whichever path is meant for her and that these abilities will flourish when she finds whatever it is that she loves doing. Um, I have no idea what that will be or how it will be in, involved in her future life, but I'm sure it will be. Does um, she, does, I, I think she'll just incorporate it with whatever she loves doing. Yeah, does she do readings now for people? No, she would be horrified to even talk to anybody else about it. Um, The only people she really talks to about it is me, uh, Tom. Mm, That's pretty much it. Occasionally, grandparents will ask, and she'll mention a few things, but she's just not comfortable talking about it with people. 
Yeah, that's understandable. Um, it, it's got to be very, very difficult, especially because I'm sure that, uh, I, you know, I know others that have spoken about similar things. There's there's ridicule, if not just the risk of ridicule is bad enough. Mm. Um, so as you develop your sensitivities, as you become more familiar with that, um, where do you see you taking that? Is that going to be a bigger part of your life? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just starting to um, create... A development group what I really want to do is to help other people awaken and learn about the spirit world and become more in touch with their spiritual self so yes um, for me the journey shifting from holistic wellness into spiritual and holistic wellness so yeah um, educating people teaching them helping them awaken teaching them the tools I've learned teaching them how alternative therapies fit, fit into that it's all about aligning the energies so, yeah, very much so. My role is shifting, and this seems to be what Spirit want me to do. Um, just recently, I was uh, I was sat writing some ideas about, you know, how I can help people more following the book coming out. And Spirit were very excited that I'd finally sat down with pen and paper to start channeling these ideas they want me to do. And uh, the clock in my hallway that hasn't worked for six months started to chime and bong <laughs> really loudly. And, uh, and I thought, okay, okay, message received. I, this is what you want me to do. So... Yeah, they're very excited. They're very much encouraging me to, um, to, to, yeah, to be this person, to guide others on the same kind of journey that I've been on. There are so many people that just aren't quite sure. How do I go about this? Where do I begin? Um, so that's something I'm going to be offering online. So it doesn't matter where people are in the world. They can tune in and they can join that group and they can learn from me all the different elements that I've brought into play over the years. Uh, the book is obviously available internationally. Uh, do you see yeah. any difference in either response or feedback from, say, the United States versus the UK? Mm, no, not particularly. Not particularly. Um, it's it's doing really well in in both uh, both countries, to be honest. So um, I wouldn't say I've seen anything different. No, no. So do you think the attitudes are, are the same then? Um, I think um, I think typically the U.S. is more open to these things. However, I've had a huge response from U.K. people as well. Uh, certainly our experiences is the U.K. isn't so open-minded about these things. But again, you know, I think that's really changing. And I think there are definitely pockets of, uh, of people in the U.K. who are very much interested in this topic. So, um, yeah. I only have an anecdotal um observation i was publisher of uh, taps para magazine for a while which was a paranormal publication that was the official publication of the ghost hunters from the tv show ghost hunters mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the largest part of our subscription base was us was us customers but uk was significantly represented represented so i assume that there's a lot of acceptance of at least these paranormal concepts and the idea of of spirits and ghosts if you will yeah I think I think it is. I think it's definitely there. Um, and I think, again, I think social media and the web, all of that enables people to discuss it in a way that perhaps it's not been discussed before. You know, it has been swept under the carpet for such a long time. Um, that's the amazing thing, isn't it, about Facebook and, and these oh, online yeah. platforms where you can share this information and you can find like-minded people across the waters as well. It doesn't have to be in, in, in just your country anymore. Um, yeah. Let's grab a, a listener question here. This is Fred in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, Fred. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks, Evie. Uh, you need to get a little more excited about the uh, scary Rama thing coming up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I'm quit kidding, of course. I've really enjoyed uh, 
declare and congratulate you on the phenomenal job you've done, uh, you know, raising your child and, 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 and with your family and your personal uh, siblings that either do or don't want to hear about it. I think you've done a great job of managing everything, and, and I've enjoyed hearing the story. And my question is this. You said that your mother knew a psychic before that psychic became well-known, and she nonchalantly said you were going to write a book. Now, that means yeah. she knew that ahead of time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there are times that these things are taught, are, that's that happens with a lot of things, which is something I'm interested in is, you know, how much choice do we have? And mm-hmm. so what I want to know is Faith has had, you know, got, seen people that are talking to you about homeopathy and so forth. Has she ever talked about something that will happen in the future is, is what I was just wondering. Mm, no, I wouldn't say she's particularly predicted, but I'm, I'm pretty positive, Fred, that she does know things about the future. What I would say is she's she's such a wise soul. There are times when, for example, the experience I relayed where all the spirits were in Tom's bedroom and I asked her who they were, what were they doing there? And she said, I don't know. But she stared at the floor and I knew she knew more than she was letting on. And when I went into her room later that evening and I said, you, you know more, don't you? Can you tell me? And she looked at me very sheepishly and she just shook her head. So I think she does carry an enormous responsibility in knowing things that we're not perhaps allowed to know yet. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Fred, great question. Thank you for calling in and thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Um, so you, you've, you've written this book. You're hoping to help other families that are uh, faced with the same circumstances because many don't know how to handle them, and um, that can be a very, very confusing time. Um, what happens next for you? Do you as you continue down this path, uh, are you going to continue to, uh, I don't know if the right word, but kind of chronicle faith's progress and uh, maybe write another book down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think if there's enough to write about that's relevant and helpful to other people, then I would love to. Uh, But it does need to be something that is actually serving and helping people and of use to them. So, yes, I'm sure if there are more stories and there are more experiences that we've gone through, uh, then yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, for me at the moment, I guess what I'm focusing on is providing a service to people um, now that they know who I am and what I do and how I can help. So that's really what's next for me. But yeah, along the way, if there's a reason to write another book, then I would love to. When, uh, when somebody reads the book, what is the key point you hope they walk away with? I hope most of all people take comfort from knowing that life goes on, that your loved ones do continue. Uh, so this isn't just a book for people who have psychic medium children or are interested in the topic. This is a book for anyone who's lost loved ones. Because in our book, we talk a lot about, you know, my loved ones that still come back and visit us and how the methods they use to actually communicate with us that they'll they'll be doing with other people, whether it's a piece of music or smell or whatever. So for me, I want people to to embrace the fact that their loved ones go on, you know, not to ever doubt that and to look for the signs, the coincidences, to recognize we all have spirit guides guiding us, supporting us, helping us make those choices in our life. We have so much support around us that maybe we're not aware of, particularly in times of need, when we feel so alone. Um, So that's really the biggest takeaway from this, is just having faith your loved ones go on 
and you are supported by spirit guides as well as your loved ones that have passed on. Have you ever uh, at any point asked Faith to try to reach out and contact a specific person? Yeah, I mean, they're there all the time. So, yes, I mean, often I'll say, you know, can we just ask this person a question? And No, but like somebody that right... you specifically wanted to talk to, like someone uh-huh. that you lost or, you know. I haven't really needed to, to be honest, JV, because um, they always visit so regularly. So I haven't, there's not, there's nobody that I haven't heard from, if that I makes see. sense, that I would want to get in contact with. Um and, and I, you know, my experience is when you think about that person and you want to ask them a question, they will present to you anyway. They will be very close by. You can easily ask a question yourself. And I, if I have a question, I might say to Faith, I'm just going to ask a question. Can you just tell me what they say? And she'll get the answer and just pass the answer to me. Um, so it's kind of easy to do that. It's not something that I, that I, yeah, that I need to think about too hard. I have mixed feelings about that personally. I lost um, actually both of my parents in the last few years, and um, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to communicate with them like that, but I'm not. I'm I'm a little ha- apprehensive. Do you find any apprehension in that at all? For me, not anymore. But in the early days, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think you know. I think that's where we all go to. That's our first instinct. I think, unless you're already open to this from day one. Um, it's, you know, with all that we've been through, I'm not apprehensive anymore at all. It's part and parcel of my everyday, but I completely understand that feeling for people. Um, but you know, you don't have to communicate with them. You don't have to, um, you to go and see a psychic medium if you don't want to, but I think it's just knowing that they're there, understanding they're happy where they are. They're with you. They're watching They're They're seeing what's going on in your world. They're supporting you when needed and you can talk to them. And if you sit quietly you may even hear the answers or at least feel, you know, what the sentiments are that come back to you from that. Claire, where can people get your book? Uh, it's everywhere, but all over Amazon is probably the easiest place. You can order it from local bookstores, but Amazon, it's going to be right there. Waterstones, all of those major bookstores should have it online. Um, and it's available on Amazon in all the different countries. So, yeah, that's easy. And, you know, if they want to stay in touch, Facebook's a really good place as well. That's where all of the latest information is uploaded to at the moment is Facebook as well. The website does need an update. And what's your Facebook uh, handle or name? It is Raising Faith Book. Raising Faith Book. And they can find that right on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Terrific. Claire, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it's a fascinating story. Faith sounds like a, a wonderful little girl, or actually not so little anymore, but um, <laughs> good luck with everything, and thank you for being here tonight. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, let's see. We've got some great stuff coming up uh, during the week, but before we talk about that, uh, there is something that's in the news that I think is, uh, I don't know, it's been on my radar for a while, and they are... Congress right now is actually starting to look into the possibility of breaking up major technology companies like uh, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple. Those four are the biggies. Hmm. And and they, you know, I've thought for a very, very long time of of those four that Google needed to be broken up because it's the conduit to almost everything we do online anymore. And when you have that much control over information – um, it is a very dangerous monopoly. And I, I, I'm not sure how I fall on that, but it's, a, it's just something I, I'd thought of for a while. I, sure. So it doesn't surprise me that we're headed down this road. 
The problem is that um, Congress doesn't really understand any of the technology uh, with the whole Facebook um, data thing. Uh, how uh, they they were the ones to come out to say we we don't own your data. The customer at any time time can request that their data be removed. Congress has no clue about what any of that means or how any, any of it works. So it's it's sort of like you know having your your five year old uh, making the rules <laughs> in some ways. So it's very complicated. Yeah. Well, between uh, Google's dominance and in information flow and Amazon's, what well, if it isn't already, it will certainly be dominance in retail. Like to the point where there was times when they were talking about breaking up Walmart because Walmart was too big, and, and Amazon is making Walmart look <laughs> like the mom and pop store on the corner anymore. So it'll be an inter- interesting. We, sh- we should get somebody who really knows their stuff when it comes to this on the show, Ryan. That would sure. be an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it'll be it'll be fascinating because it will affect everybody. I mean, we've all become those four companies. Uh, everybody is relying on part of them in some fashion at this point. Certainly. So anyways, great, great stuff coming up in the next few nights. Tomorrow night, we've got Marilyn Schlitz joining us. Marilyn is a consci- consciousness researcher. We're going to be talking about the mysteries of consciousness and where science and spirit meet. And those lines are becoming a little bit blurred as as science continues to discover things that make us think about things like parallel universes and time travel. And when, when does artificial intelligence become uh, a, a living thinking organism? Right. And we're getting we're getting very close to that as well. Uh, some of that stuff is a bit scary. Uh, Bruce Campbell, the first hour of Wednesday night's program, B-movie legend. What is he called? The, the killer chin? What? The chin? The chin of death? What's his, <laughs> what's his nickname? Do I have time to look this up? Because uh, it's... Um, I did not come across that. Oh, what is it? it? He's got a nickname about his chin. Uh, <laughs> hang on. You're going to have to give me a second to look this up because it is really that good. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, the the killer? No. Why is this not? There the man go. with the chin? Is no, it the it's, it's, that? No, it's more, it's more than that. It is... Uh, yeah, it's not. Uh, hmm, it's not here. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to have that for you. Next Where's Eddie time. when you need him? I know. Why isn't Eddie out here helping us out? Um, oh, the chin. He's just the chin. The chin. Is, so simple. Yeah, not the killer chin. Just the chin. <laughs> um, and B movie Bruce. Anyway, uh, he'll be in the first hour of the program Wednesday night, and in the second hour, Sinasta uh, Colucci, who is a cult survivor, will talk to us about his experiences with the Twelve Tribes organization. There's a Twelve Tribes. Delhi or something nearby us, right? There is. I actually know um, two people who uh, who are in the who I think are still currently in the twelve tribes. Um, I, I've it's I, I have mixed feelings about it, mostly bad. But yeah, well, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I really know very little about it about them, other than they have some businesses on Main Street in a town very close to us. The food's good. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, that's going to do it for tonight. Um, check out the Facebook page. Please give that a follow or a like at uh, Beyond Reality Radio. Go to the website as well. A lot of great information there about the show, including radio stations that we air on across the country. And then visit YouTube, search JV Johnson, subscribe, click the notification icon so that you get notified of live streams or other video uploads. Plus, you'll find an archive of programs there and a lot of bonus content. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll see you tomorrow night. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. 
Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For JV Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at BeyondRealityRadio.com. Thanks for listening.